Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Ben, and I am the, the young adults pastor and the worship pastor here at Elevation Hills. Um, but for those of you who have been here for the past couple of weeks, who's been enjoying our Summer at Elevation series? Not really series. It's been amazing. Um, we've had three uh, amazing words that I believe are, have been prophetic declarations over our church. And it's kind of funny because because it's January, we've just told uh, the preachers that you need to pray, you need to seek. Well, obviously they do this every week, but specifically for these ones, uh, we, we don't, we're not going to give you any kind of barriers. We're not going to give you any kind of theme. There's not a book of the Bible to follow, whatever. Just pray, ask God what He believes that, uh, what you believe He is saying that we need to speak into our church. And every week, the theme has been very, very, very similar. The first week we've had we had Pastor Isaac and he and he brought a message and he said there is a cost to your Christianity because your faith is worth something. And then Miles, Pastor Miles, our lead pastor, he brought a, a word and he said uh, faith is essential for growth. And then my wife last week uh, brought a, an amazing word around the shield of faith and she said you might think you're just holding. Uh, your shield for yourself, but you don't know the ripple effect your one faith action might cause. If you have not picked it up, it's faith. We are talking about faith. And I'm not going to let the team down. I'm also talking about faith. The title of my message today is Faith Over Circumstance. We, we were just singing a song before called Won't Stop Now. He's like, I know breakthrough is coming. I know you are a miracle worker. By faith, I see it. If you've made a promise, you will not stop, right? But sometimes we can sing those songs but not really believe them. We can allow what we see in our life to dictate how much we believe. We can allow what we see to dictate what we believe God is capable of doing. But do not worry. You're not alone. We see this in the Bible, and we're going to talk about the life of Gideon today. And if you know Gideon at all, you know he's a mighty man of God, a mighty warrior, but he was not always that way. He was not always that way. So let's open our Bibles to Judges 6, and we'll pick up the story. So basically, Israel, they've uh, been... They've escaped Egypt. They've, they've gone 40 years through the wilderness. They've entered the promised land. They've conquered the promised land. They're living in the promised land. But something is just not right. So in Judges 6.1, it says, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This statement is all through the book of Judges. Time and time again, Israel did what was evil. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. So Israel, they were living in the promised land, but they were going through the cycle of doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord, God handing them over to their enemies, God sending a judge living in peace, doing what was evil, being handed over to the enemy, uh, God sending a judge living in peace. Evil, enemy, judge, peace. And they kept going through this cycle time and time again. And this is where we hear the stories of Gideon, of Samson, of, of Deborah. This is a book of mighty men and women of God. 
of God. But time and time again, they are ending up in the wrong place. And and in Judges 6, they're under the hand of the Midianites. So much so that they've had to flee their homes. They've had to hide in the mountains. They're hiding in caves. They can't even harvest their crop because the Midianites are coming through and taking it before they could even get there. So it gets so bad that the, Midianite, that the Israelites, they cry out to God. They cry out for help. And in verse 8, it says, The Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So in this moment, with this, through this prophet, he hasn't even sent a judge yet. He sent a prophet first, and he's reminding the Israelites of who he is. He said, I'm the one that rescued you. I'm the one that took you through the Red Sea. I'm the one that was with you in, in the wilderness. I brought you into the promised land. I conquered the promised land, and now you're living in the promised land. But you disobeyed me. So they have two options. They can either look to God's promises, look to his faithfulness and remember exactly who he is and that would strengthen their faith or they could look to their circumstances, they can look to the situation around them, they could look to the Midianite oppression and it would crush their faith. So they could look to God's faithfulness and it would be strengthened or they would look to the Midianite oppression and it would crush it. In walks Gideon. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which is a tree, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. He wasn't just scared of what he was doing. He was hiding in a winepress, trying to mill the wheat, trying to do what he could to have as much food as possible. He was a scared, terrified man. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. He's hiding in a wine press, but he's a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall not strike the Midian, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring you, bring you my present and set it out before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we just lift up this time to you right now. I just pray that uh, as I speak, it is not, it's not me who speaks, but it is you who speaks. And any, any, any words that come out of my mouth and that are under, uh, misunderstood, I pray you, Holy Spirit, you translate them so that it comes across by the power of the Lord. And we just thank you that you're here in the room. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So Gideon, he was hiding in a wine press, trying to get food. He was doing all these things, and the angel of the Lord confronts him. And he had the same decision. Do I look at the promises of God? Do I look at who he is, or do I look at what's around him? Three times God gives him a promise, and three times he questions God. The first promise in verse 12, he said, The Lord is with you. To which Gideon says, If that's true, why has all this happened? Why are we the way we are? Where are all of the the miracles, the signs and wonders that, that our fathers talk about? No, 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 no. God, you have forsaken us. When, when God said that the Lord is with you, Gideon decided to look at his circumstance to define his faith. He said, no, no, no. I'm looking around. I'm looking at the Midianite oppression, all the things that's going around. No, no, God, you have forsaken us. You have left us. This is not, you are not with us. Promise 2, verse 14. He says, go in this might of yours. Do I not send you? To which Gideon replies, uh, how can I possibly do this? How can I save Israel? I am the weakest of the weak of the weak, right? I am not strong enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not the great warrior that you think I might be. I am not good enough. When God says he will send him, Gideon replies, I'm not good enough. He looks inside himself to define his strength. And then the third promise in verse 16, God says, I will be with you. To which Gideon replies, if that's so, prove it. I'm not doing anything until you show me that you're with us, until you show me that you are who you say you are. I'm not doing anything. You need to prove yourself. I am, I'm only, my faith is by what I can see, not by what I cannot see. You need to show me a miracle and then I'll follow you. Gideon's circumstance was influencing his faith. His circumstance was influencing what he believed about God and what he believed about what was going to happen. See, it says he knew the promises of God. He said, what about all the things our fathers told us? He knew the promises. He knew that God had said, I have taken you out of Egypt. I have brought you into the promised land. And the promised land will be a place of milk and honey. It will be a place of rest. It will be a place of prosperity. To which Gideon goes, no, 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 no. Milk and honey, the harvest, we can't harvest anything. Uh, Sabbath, rest? No, no, no. We are fleeing. We've had to hide in the mountains. We've had to hide in caves. This is not a land of rest. Prosperity, the Midianites have taken everything that we own. Your promises are not as I see. He was allowing his circumstance to dictate his faith. And if we are honest with ourselves, we can be just the same. We can allow our circumstance or our situation to define what can happen. And this situation or circumstance, you might uh, might have heard a promise from God and you're waiting for that promise to come to fruition. You might be seeing your friend's promises come to pass. Worse yet, the promise that God has told you is coming to fruition in someone else's life, right? You might have had a word spoken over you and you're waiting for it. You're waiting for it to happen, but it's just not happening. 
There might be a miracle or a breakthrough or a healing that you are so believing for. But every time you pray, every time you go after it, it's just closed door after closed door after closed door. And you're saying, God, why is this the way it is? I'm doing this for you. I turn up to church. I pray. I do what I do. Why can't you do this for me? You said that this is going to happen, but it's not happening. But if we're honest, we've all been in this place, allowing our circumstance to dictate our faith. Most of you would know that a couple of years ago, uh, I had some pretty weird allergies. Um, And it wasn't like I was allergic to eggs, uh, chicken and milk, but it was like certain things within them that was super weird. Like with the milk, it was one of the proteins. And do you know A2 milk? Like how they're they're all advertised. Like if you're allergic to the protein, this is the protein. We've removed it. No, I was allergic to the other protein. (laughs) So I couldn't even have A2 milk. It was like, it was actually easier for me to be vegan. Come on. It was easier for me to be vegan. And I would go to a restaurant like, oh, excuse me, do you have a vegan menu or do you have things that are vegan? Now look at me like, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, vegan, long hair, right? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to eat meat. I cannot eat meat. They're like, are you from Newtown? No, no, I'm from Mount Druitt. Come on, right? That's, you, you don't know me. I remember this one story, right? I went into a cafe and before I even got to the cash register order, he just went, soy latte. I was like, I really wanted to say no, but I had to say yes, but it's not because of this, it's because of this, right? I, I, I didn't want to have soy, I had to have soy. I really wish now I was just like, no, black coffee. Come, that was, I just thought of it then, that would've been really good. Anyway. Oh, that was years ago, man. Um, I was praying. I was believing. I was like, God, come on. Come on. I, I, I don't want this allergy anymore. God, I, I want to eat fried chicken again. Come on. Like, Lord, amen. I was, I was praying. I was believing. I, I just kept praying and believing. And, sight, and spoiler alert, fully healed because that is who God he is. Amen. But I got to a place where I was like, you know what, God? It's okay. I don't need this miracle. I don't need you to heal me. I'm living a good life. I'm, I'm okay. Like, I've still got red meat, right? I can still eat beef, pork. I, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need your miracle, right? I was allowing my faith to be based on what I could see. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith is the confidence uh, of things not seen. But I was allowing my faith to be dictated by what I could see. Just the very same as Gideon. Gideon was allowing his faith to be dictated by what he could see. He believed that God had forsaken them. He believed that God had left them. He believed that God did not even want to help them out. And he said that it was God's fault. He said, this is your fault. You have left us. Where are you? You've left us and we are in this because of you. But in verse 10, we see that is, that is very much not the case. God says, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. It wasn't that God had left the Israelites. It was that the Israelites had left God. They were so fixated on their own situation, on their own circumstance, that they were just trying and trying and trying in their own, in their own strength, in their own power, that by the time they had realized they'd gotten into a bad place, they had drifted from God. Because 
God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He, he, he can't leave you. Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. But we can leave Him. We can allow things to get in our life that block His presence. We can allow things in our life that we are unable to hear Him. We are unable to understand the Word of God. So it wasn't that, that God had left the Israelites. The Israelites had left God. So this is the question for you today. You ready? Do you want your circumstance to influence your faith or your faith to influence your circumstance? Do you want your faith to influence your circumstance or your circumstance to influence your faith? Do you want circumstantial faith or faith that your circumstance will change? Right? That, that is the question. And the funny thing about Gideon is he went from a wheat thresher to a warrior. He went from being a wheat thresher, hiding in a winepress, to a warrior. See, in, in uh, Judges 7, he took an army of 300 men and defeated the Midianites. He was over 32,000 men, 32,000 soldiers. And God said, you know what? That's too many. Shrink the army. I want you to get rid of 19, more than 99% of the men. I'd want you to have less than 1%. And then God took him to see the army he was about to defeat. And the Bible describes this army as being so vast that you couldn't even count the camels, that they were so abundant that they were like the sand on a seashore. God took him to a place where the victory was 100% God. That's where he took him. And in, in Judges 7 uh, verse 20, we see it. Then the three companies blew their trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army and the army fled. God said, I'm going to provide the victory. You need to bring your faith. And when he brought his faith, he changed the circumstance of a nation. He changed the circumstance of Israel from being under oppression of the Midianites to having the Midianites flee from the nation. That is what his faith did. So what? What changed Gideon from being a scared little wheat thresher to this mighty faith-filled warrior? What changed him? And we find the answer in Judges 6 verse 19. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived 
that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord, so God said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. What transformed Gideon was an encounter with the living God. What transformed Gideon from being a wheat thresher to a warrior is an encounter with the living God. And what can transform you today is an encounter with the living God. And this has been the same, come on, this has been the same all the way from Abraham all the way through to John. An encounter transforms lives. And one of my favorite stories where we see this is when Peter walks on the water, right? Because here's the thing, here's one thing that I find so interesting we always, we always hear about the first time Peter walks on the water, but rarely do we hear about the second time. We rarely hear about the second time. So Matthew 14, uh, verse 30. But when he saw, sorry, 29. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. See, in verse 30, Peter looked to his circumstance. He looked to the wind, to the waves, to the storm, and he said, I can't do this, and he started to sink. But then Jesus picked him up, and they went back to the boat. But Jesus didn't pick him up and carry him like a baby. Jesus didn't grab him by the hair and just drag him and flop him in the boat. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus picked up Peter, stood him on the water, and they walked back to the boat. What transformed Peter to being a water walker was an encounter with Jesus. What transformed Gideon into being a warrior was an encounter with Jesus. That is what transforms us. So as the band comes, how? How do we encounter God? How do we encounter this living God that is in this room already? Well, the first one is the Word. In Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes through hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. When we read the Bible, when we get around people that speak the Bible over us, when we sing songs that are straight from the Bible, that is is what increases our faith. That is what uh, builds us up, that we are able to use our faith to trump our circumstance. We can look on the things of heaven and know who God is, know that His promises are true, know who His character is, and He is always faithful. The second one is prayer. When Jesus is uh, teaching His disciples how to pray in uh, Matthew 6, He says, pray like this. Our Father who are in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not on earth, not earth on earth, but earth like heaven. Jesus told us when you pray, look to heaven. When you pray, look on the things of heaven. That, that will, God will show you what the things of heaven will be like so you can bring them down to earth to change your circumstance. And when we pray and when we look on the things of heaven, we encounter the living God. That is what we are doing when we are praying. And then worship. In, in Matthew 18, 20, it says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. 
When you walk into this room on a Sunday, you're walking into the presence of God. When you walk into this room, you're not just entering another meeting, you're not entering another service, not another experience. You're entering the presence of the living God. You are situating yourself to have an encounter with that very same God. Because when two or three are gathered, He is here and we are creating, we are recreating heaven on earth. We are recreating Eden because that has always been God's plan. Eden in the beginning, Eden at the end, Eden now. So when we gather, you are situating yourself to have an encounter with Jesus. But what I love about Gideon's story is that it parallels our experience so well. It, 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 when, when Gideon encountered God, two things happened. In verse 20, it says, in verse 21, the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the 11 cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat. Fire. Fire signals the presence of God. When he encountered the living God, the fire fell. Just like in Acts 2-3, when they were praying and they were in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, fire fell on them. And the second thing that happens is the Spirit clothes. In verse 34, it says the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Just like in Luke 24, Jesus said to His disciples before He ascended, Do not go into the world until you are clothed with the power from on high. Do not go. Gideon did not become a warrior until he was clothed. Jesus did not enter ministry until he was clothed. And neither should we. So three things happen. When the, when the fire falls, the Spirit clothes, and then our faith is increased and we can look on the things of heaven above and we can know who God is. We can know that His promises are yes and amen. We can know the plans that He has for us. We can we know that He works things all together for our good. We are at the head. We are not the tail. Greater is He who is in me than in the world. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the one who was and is and is to come. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the author and finisher of your faith. He is the way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper. He is a light in the darkness. Even when He is, even when we can't see it, He is working. Even when we can't feel it, He is moving. Come on, church. Let's stand and we're going to sing and we're going to encounter the living God.